Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 266. My name is NBZ, and you might recognize, I'm a bit famous now, Balan, because I've been, I've been up in lights in the stars. My voice is now officially on the PlayStation YouTube channel, uh, so bow down to me. Um, it's it's been a fun time. Uh, no, I, I I did a voiceover for a trailer, Bally, um, and awesome. now, it's, now it's on the PlayStation YouTube channel, and you can watch it. Let's get the plug in now. What's the game? When's it coming? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I should mention absolutely. Uh, we have a game. If you don't know, I work for a video games publisher. We publish games. It's cool. Um, uh, there's a game called Bolatro, which is a roguelike poker game it's excellent i think it's fantastic i'm a shill don't believe anything i say of course but everyone should buy it um and it's coming to switch it's coming to switch on february 20th well february um, 20th yeah absolutely uh, awesome. so yeah i did voiceover for our trailer for it so you can go and have a look at that uh, on various places on the internet if you would like but um yeah it's uh it's it's great and uh, i'm looking forward to people checking it out but um super exciting yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, I have also been, uh, you know, hanging out in Hawaii recently um, because so about this thing where you know I was, I'm telling you like I've got to like not buy games anymore because <laughs> too, too many much, long games coming too out. Too long games. And I'm like, look, I love Yakuza, but like you know, it's going to come out on Game Pass. It's going to get cheaper, all this stuff. And then like these reviews come out and they're like, it's the best one. And I'm like, fuck's sake, man. And uh, I, I fucking I love the series, right? I think this is the problem of Game Pass getting you into a series is I play all of the all of them, you know, not for free, but through the subscription and don't pay for any of them. And then I get into this and then I catch up to the series. And now I'm in this place where I'm like, well, now I'm a fan. Now I have to buy them all at full price when they come out basically um so it's there's a there's a drawback to getting into a series like that um but yeah i've been playing a bunch of uh like a dragon infinite wealth the 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 first like a dragon it came to game pass after release not on release right uh yes so yakuza like a dragon i should distinguish the seventh game in the series yeah came out and then i think about a year later came to game pass okay yeah the difference was is that yakuza ishin last year came out and was like a six month turnaround from release to game pass but then also like a dragon gaiden the man who erased his name was a day one game pass game so it's a bit all over the shop in terms of consistency uh, of what's coming where but here's the thing that tipped the scales valley is that it's only digital right well yes that's true but um i realized that buying it on steam means that i could also play it on steam deck and that means that it, cool. with the, with the RPG-ness of this game, right, the run around and leveling up, yeah, that's so perfect because I'm like, oh, okay, if I need to do some grinding, it's fine. It's on Steam Deck in bed. Like, that's the perfect way to do it. So actually, I think I'm going to get through this game a lot faster than I did yeah. the previous ones because I now have it handheld and I can take it to bed with me and then do an extra hour, you know, every day, which helps uh, chip away. It does sound a lot like a modern-day Earthbound. If you uh, simplify honestly, Earthbound as, like, yes. a Japanese take on America... Mm-hmm. It sounds like this game's got that in spades, and yes. it's obviously an RPG. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the 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 unique thing, I think, about Yakuza Like a Dragon, again, the seventh game that came out previously, uh, is that it was, like, we do, we talk about this a, while, a lot of, like, how Earthbound is really one of those only games that's like an RPG in just, like, a normal world setting. Of course, Earthbound's not normal at all, but we're talking about, like, cities and kids in, like, a 90s aesthetic, right? Um, Pre-Pokemon. And, exactly, and this series is very much like it's just people in japan or in these other places and you're right this one going to hawaii now means that it is 
very much an earth a modern day earthbound in its uh it's kind of like hey the jobs that you get the job classes are like you know chef or like uh jobs lawyer or what yeah exactly the actual jobs become your job classes like sorcerer is not an actual job come on it's just like right a weird word to associate with yeah with yeah totally or, or something yeah exactly we we've always had uh, the job class always come from classic final fantasy games right and they're always talking about wizards and things like that um but yeah these are literal professions that you then have fun abilities around because you know you get them and you actually use them and uh yeah i think this is actually yeah this this game's uh, been great so i'm like eight hours in or so i'm having a good time and i think i I feel like only like a couple of hours ago the game really opened up. Honestly, like I think the first five hours is about eighty percent cutscenes and twenty percent me playing the game. That's not even an exaggeration. Like it is, okay. it is so heavy on the story, uh, like these games usually are. But it's, it's always really good, yeah. so it's very exciting. So we'll um, talk a lot about that on Nintendo Show. Yes, yes, we'll get in into February. it there. Um, but it does make me be like, oh, maybe I should go to Hawaii. It's a cool place. They've got poke nice. there. That's the real reason I want to go. It's just poke, right? That's the, the best, exactly. best thing in the world. So, Have to. Um, so maybe that that gets added to the list. Uh, but uh, yes, hello. We're here to talk about the video games of Nintendo. Bali, would you like to tell the fine folks at home what we are going to be talking about today? For the first segment, we're going to be talking about the games that we have been playing, and that's only going to be one game. It's Prince of Persia, and we're also going to have a little spoiler section for that. It might not mm-hmm. be little, it might be a bit longer. Yeah. That's going to be split in two. It's going to be non-spoilers, and then we'll make very clear, state it very clearly, we're going to sl- switch into spoilers. Uh, and then for the second segment, we're going to cover a few emails. Yeah, absolutely. Um so not very usual these days that both bali and i come to the show and we have both finished a game that came out a week ago uh essentially it did come out a week ago right yes but we both got it one day early that's true that's true so there was a weird situation with prince of persia so i think i mentioned the end of last episode that i'd played the demo and uh that demo had like stuff from the start of the game but what you could do is you could go on to either the switch eShop or to whatever store and buy the deluxe version of the game and that means that instead of having to wait until the 18th you could get it on the 15th i believe so you could get it on the monday as opposed to the thursday essentially basically leapfrogging the release date as AAA games have been wanting to do this quote unquote early access type thing where they're like which is the worst phrase for it when there is yeah. already something called early access right. which is a little bit different it is yeah three it's, days early it's it's very strange but um i decided i wasn't gonna so here's the other thing that happened in between it's like i realized if you go to ubisoft plus their whole membership thing you could pay for a month of ubisoft plus and you would be able to basically also get it three days early because if you're subscribed to their service, guess mm. what? They also so there's an incentive for you to subscribe to that service. Um, and then I was like, oh, but then yeah. It, the, the, here's the issue: this game is a handheld first game for me, and any Metroidvania, any game that I know I'm going to be spending time listening to a podcast, going around a map. If it's not handheld, it just is less interesting to me. And having played the demo switch version ran like butter i think this is one of the best switch ports ever maybe of a third party game i heard someone on a podcast i cannot remember which podcast saying it was designed ground up for switch yes i believe that is the case right and that makes sense because that's where your core audience is like this game feels 
like metroid dread in another skin in a lot of ways right and we can get into that but um but yeah i think switch is where i wanted to play it but you're right this all this tangent leading up to the fact that we both got the game delivered actually a day before the game came out so i did have like a five hour head start on everybody playing it on the wednesday as opposed to the thursday um but all that said bali uh prince of persia the lost crown i guess just to give people a top level prince of persia ip has been around for years uh and you know started back in the early days jordan mechner uh did the original one and then the the most famous one i would say is is the sands of time which came out on gamecube and ps2 during that era um there's been lots of them since ubisoft kind of dropped the franchise around the 360 period because assassin's creed became their main thing and assassin's creed in a lot of ways is like a successor to prince of persia um and then ubisoft just turned into their modern iteration which is just do 25 assassin's creed games um and and so this is a new game that is a Metroidvania take, side-scrolling Metroidvania take on Prince of Persia, using that IP, but making a brand new game that is in a totally different genre. Um, and, I mean, I think it's a fucking success in lots of different ways, but I'd love to hear, Bali, your kind of overall thoughts on this game. Yeah, I mean, very quickly, I got the game on Series X, and I only found out after buying it on Series X that it was designed ground up for Switch. So I was mm-hmm. hoping for a bit more flashy 4k visuals but sure, if actually yeah. are judging the game by its character models and this kind of thing it's very clearly designed for switch it's not it is not pushing the limits of resolution and facial no. design and these kinds of things so i definitely made a mistake not getting the switch version and i can also say i had maybe four quite big bugs on, oh wow okay. at least on the series x version so one was it repeated a cutscene when i went to the same location which was just weird and mm. then i thought it might be some trippy thing related to the story but wasn't there was also a boss that just froze and would not take any more damage and i could like jump around the screen doing more damage to the bot no i wasn't actually able to do damage i could attack the boss loads and then it just locked so i had to quit out the game Mm -hmm. Uh, there was also a side quest where every time i tried to start the side quest the game would just hang and i'd have Mm. to quit out the whole game reboot the whole thing Uh, there was one other glitch i'm trying to remember now but anyway my point is between those issues and not getting much benefit from having 4k i probably should have got the switch version i just got this xbox version because i do like 90 95% of my gaming um in front of a tv so i thought it was just the most, more sensible thing but mm-hmm. not on this yeah. occasion but anyway no yeah and it's very rare that that happens where the switch version i wouldn't say it's superior necessarily but like it's it is designed for it and it feels like yeah. the best place to play it Th- there are periods where caroline is speaking to her mum uh with bally jr throughout the week and i go into the other room and not having a switch i could bring with me for those periods i was like right damn i should have got <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit but, of regret saying it yeah but yeah even for those small chunks of time it was like mm-hmm. damn, i could have done that but anyway um yes i think this game is absolutely stellar yes. i think that the two biggest highlights for me are the platforming and the boss fights i think that on if you're judging the game alone on those two things it's one of the best metroidvanias i've ever played like i think it's really 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 impressive and i was saying this to you at the time when we were playing mz like the progression feels a bit more castlevania like and i think the best way of describing that is there's a real power jump based on upgrades based on the currency and that's right. something that you you 
isn't the same with metroid you do not gain yeah. a currency from defeating enemies that are then spent on anything in metroid games no it's um, not a full rpg thing like symphony of the night where symphony of the night you collect xp and then your stats go up and you have armor right. to equip but it is a light version of that a lighter version of that there's an amulet system that is based around upgrading with currencies that you find um and there is obviously like an upgrade to your kind of progression abilities as you go through um but but yeah i'd say like the amulets is is really where the quote-unquote rpg systems are um and like you're just just upgrading your individual weapons your sword your bow it's more the individual weapons i was getting to but yeah it's still a game like ori and the will of the wisps you're Mm -hmm. doing those same things you have amulet equivalents you also have uh, currency gained from defeating enemies that are used to upgrade abilities yes, so i yeah, guess that's true. more similar mm-hmm. um to castlevania in some ways but again that is quite light um i still really loved the game even though it had a lot of that there was maybe like one boss i got to and i got absolutely destroyed and i thought yeah. i've got to go away and explore and upgrade myself i need to get my health up i need to get my attack boosted a bit and it felt fine i was happy to do that and i think that is down to how good the movement feels how good the combat feels how much i wanted to platform around and find secrets and explore the map and i should say i beat the game in 20 hours and found 66 percent of everything so there was still like a big chunk of stuff i never really found or discovered but mm-hmm. it felt like the perfect balance of you you will struggle to mainline this because you need to get more powerful versus you have to explore the entire map otherwise you cannot beat the game it was like a nice balance between those two and i it it is up there with the best of the best for me definitely yeah i i I totally agree and i think that for me it is it's like a half an inch below ori and metroid dread i mean it's very difficult to like take those thrones because for me so much of it is thematic to be honest yes yeah definitely there's a there's a lot of um like i think i mean metroid's atmosphere is unmatched in a lot of ways and i'm just a mark for everything to do with side-scrolling metroid so dread for me was a dream game uh in many aspects and so it's, it's almost impossible i think that that like you said you had some bugs i definitely had some bugs as well there's a polish aspect in nintendo's games where like dread was just completely flawless and i just mm. never encountered anything and the, you know the movement in metroid is still i think superior personally but you, this game gets as close as you can possibly get to the line of those get of ori and metroid which are like again movement is the king for me when it comes to these types of games and this is so fucking fluid it is just absolutely sublime from the way in which you can slide to then jump out of the slide to keep your momentum going it's almost a you know how people in uh, ocarina of time just constantly roll as link like i am one of those people who's fidgety with games you know i like to go fast obviously it's a meme with the show i'm always going fast um like i your mega man bosses in here yeah i mean the way that i moved through this game was like uh ground dash into jump into air dash into ground dash like i felt like i was pressing buttons every time i moved constantly and it felt great doing that and over the course of the game you ramp up those movement abilities not to the level of like a screw attack and space jump combo but pretty fucking close when it comes to speed of traversal and i think i was really impressed by was the places you retraverse in this world once you have abilities how many things you can then shortcut or completely bypass once you have brand new things into your arsenal it just feels so fantastic to jump past an entire sequence of like hardcore platforming that you had to do to get through this sequence before and now you're like nope shortcut because i can now just go there instantly basically um 
it it feels tremendous to just exist and move through the world and i know a lot of people have been talking about how they wish there are a few more fast travel points and i can kind of see that as a bit of a critique but mm. to me this is very much like a spider-man where like why would you use fast travel to me like i just i simply don't see a lot of the point there's definitely the map is huge to the point where yes if it's something's on the other side of the map then you definitely want to fast yeah. travel and i was using that consistently but if it's something where i'm like okay this is across in this other area it will literally take me about 30 seconds to get there because that's how fast you move and how quick and agile yeah. the print is. And they're very uh, much wanting you to go past enemies, defeat those enemies, gain the money from those enemies to upgrade your character. Like, that is yes. quite an important part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I said the prince, I, I misspoke there because you don't play as the prince in this game. You play as a character called Sargon, uh, who is one of the immortals, uh, the seven immortals who they kind of set up at the beginning of the game, have this kind of bombastic cutscene, this opening of like, it's almost goes to Tsushima, right? Like, this storming of a beach and yeah. uh you know the prince is also a different prince to the other prince of persia oh really yeah i looked this up so it's prince hassan in this game and it, i can't remember the name of the other guy but it's, it's okay. not prince hassan basically oh okay that's that's interesting yeah it feels like they're kind of creating their own world their own mythos here which is mm. cool um but but yeah I, I think like there is a story set up here um and there are cutscenes and there are character moments and things like that um i thought it was good for what it was like i wasn't like super engaged like i'm one of those people who if in a game like this if you put down law things for me to sit and read for two minutes i'm just not i can't do it like i tried i really tried i was like i read one and i was like i'm just it's not gonna happen i'm just i knew for a fact you were not going to engage no. with that law i i honestly didn't either they were yeah too long to read and in a game where you are zipping around so, uh -huh. so fast paced i was like I, I'm, I'm not gonna do this yeah i've heard a lot of people like shitting on the story and being like well this makes it worse and like I just never, ever in my entire fucking life will ever care about a story in a Metroidvania like this. Like, I thought Metroid Dread had a great story, but, like, that's for a Metroidvania. There's, like, two cutscenes and, like... I think Metroid Dread did have a great story. Yeah. And, I like, think one of the Wisps had a good story. It was yeah. predominantly vibes, but it still works yes. really well for that game. Like, Absolutely. I really and I think, like, sure, they all have, like, frame narratives, essentially, but it's never going to negatively impact my feeling of a game like this, basically. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm totally cool with what it was, and I thought there's some cool stuff. I think the story did well and had some good twists, and yeah. I was pretty satisfied by the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think the kind of moving around, the getting around, the running around is real good in this game. That's definitely kind of uh, a peak of it. I think just the level design itself and the way in which it has things that loop back um obviously the one thing that people are talking about with this game is the entire system of taking pictures on the map to indicate like this is the thing that's here i can go back and remember now because i made a picture mm. of it a snapshot um and like it's one of those things that i've always thought about i always think about when i'm playing metroid fusion because there's this one part in metroid fusion where in sector two Trop the tropical area you go down from the save room to the left and you go through that door and then an event happens that permanently closes that door for the rest of the game but the map never updates to tell you that and so i for the rest of my life after doing that like multiple times always remember that i cannot go back through that door and i have to keep that in my brain because otherwise when i'm retraversing to do 100 percent, i'll think oh i can just leg through that because you know when you're doing 100 percent in a game like this you're looking at the map and you're thinking what's the route i'm going to take to get to this point i need to get to and you're often looking for the fastest route and so things like that so often in metroidvanias 
they are not indicated on the map of like is this door open or closed is it permanently closed for the rest of the game can i what ability do i need to get there and it is this mental map of can i remember what it was and there are so many instances of me and i don't mind this in metrovanias i think this turns off a lot of other people so many instances i can think of in other games where i go to a spot and i'm like all right yeah i still can't do that because i don't have the double jump yet Mm. and the way in which this streamlines things is so fantastic where you can plop these down there's limited numbers of them but you get more as you go but are you in favor of that decision or do you think they should have been unlimited i yeah i feel like there's not really a drawback to making them unlimited if i'm honest i think Um, it was a weird decision it's a slightly weird decision i think it's like making you make choices about what things you think are important because you do still have the the markers to put down as well which i did use at some points for certain things Mm. um but just the utility of it to be like i have no idea what this thing is i'm just going to screenshot it and then eventually the satisfaction of getting a new ability realizing what it does and then looking at your map and being like there's like five screenshots here that i can go back to and it created such a great loop of now i know where i need to go specifically with this power which um, i played in exploration mode so it didn't like put markers on my map or anything it was a really helpful way of realizing well this is the actual area i need to go to next essentially because this is the ability that i need to get there and the game is allowing me the tools to remember that for myself especially for a game that is i'd say slightly longer than most metrovanias it's 20 hours ish um and, quite a lot longer than most metrovanias, yeah but, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like unless you're hollow knight right which is like the most uh kind of expanded yeah, one yeah but yeah that's very true. I, I i played in guided and i'm glad i played in guided i don't think it guides you particularly particularly that much it, it mainly just, just puts markers on the general position it's just map, right? a waypoint on a map which mm-hmm. i feel like lots of metroidvanias have done I feel like ori um, does that right ori like definitely it, does that yeah. and that's all i want to know that i thought it was perfect that's all i want to know that's all i wanted to know i just want to know the general direction i should be aiming broadly mm-hmm. to get to um and i thought it worked well i i yes the photos are really good but i'm pretty sure like say metroid dread all the doors are like labeled as like right if it's a specific color or one that you don't yes, have access yeah. to or things like that i think they do a better job in dread definitely um and i think because of the abilities that you have in that game i think it's easier to map to be like oh i know that looks like a morph ball kind of area so i need yeah. to have that to go there and i think that yes it's cool to have the ability to take photos and you can do it manually yourself but to be honest, I think the dread model of just this is the color of the door, and um, mm-hmm. Metroid Prime's done it before as well. Where this is the color of the door, um, that's the color of the door. It just is that color. You'll know when you get like say, right. the ice beam or whatever, and it, you'll be able to unlock that door. And I, I think that yes, it's cool to take the photos, but maybe like because you had the ability to take photos in Prince of Persia, they didn't skimp out, but they did. They, they chose not to delineate clearly on the map what types of doors and platforms etc to get to next place yeah and i think i think it's harder for them because their abilities and their things that you get through are not as delineated in that same structured way that metroid is so um, yes it's more metroid's difficult. all about the beams for yeah sure. totally um, predominantly, um, but. but the thing that i also really like this game does and did save me a few snaps was uh there are often arrows that are pointing on the map that says you can only get through this entrance by going from this direction. And they so were if, perfect. You, if you perfect. come across one of those, like that like little annotation does such a good job of just being like, 
there's no way you're going to come through this way no matter what you try you're never going to come through this way it has to be opened from the other side and i think that is such a smart way of saying don't go this way you'll find your route back there by going some other route essentially which i think is also a problem in metrovanias of people not knowing you know can i get through this or not i think it's yeah it's it's a they did a lot of innovation in terms of the map design in this game and just letting people know what they needed to at what point in time mm. and mm. um yeah i i feel like it's gonna be widely adopted now by a lot of these games because it's such a useful feature and frankly i think a lot of people were manu- like i remember in some other games i played on switch where i just take screenshots of areas because i'm like i just want to remember this for later you know yeah um, yeah no I, so, yeah, i've done that as well for sure, for sure. yeah yeah definitely. um i talked earlier how i think it's predominantly vibes and theming that is making me prefer say metroid dread and Mm -hmm. will of the wisps yes i would have loved to have seen them lean more away from photorealism and gone way bigger on a art style i don't know Mm. what art style necessarily but like the persian theme itself i think is great it like the, the mythology and some of the creatures that you're fighting and things like that it's all fantastic but like it was this game is could have been far prettier had they just gone for an art style and i feel like because we're in this new era of 4k etc when you're going for photorealism you kind of need to be more impressive than what they went for are you would would you say this is because i wouldn't argue this is photorealism i say this is like stylized in a fortnighty kind of like cartoonish aesthetic in a way it is stylized i wanted it way more stylized sure yeah lean into an actual like full aesthetic in a way yeah Yeah. full aesthetic because there were aspects that were going for photorealism that felt um a little bit dated mm-hmm. um, but that's totally i don't know what the budget of the team etc and all that was i get that yeah probably not that high yeah. yeah and they were designing switch up and that's the important thing the most important thing is how this game runs yeah etc and it runs fantastically well mm-hmm. other than the bugs i obviously mentioned but like i, I for me that's where metroid dread is just a complete package obviously yes. ori is just another another level when it comes to art design and style and music and like the drama like the the build like there's something about that game that is just unmatched in the metroidvania sphere for, for me personally but um other than that like i said i think the this game is might be stronger than those other ones especially on the platforming front i thought like yeah. some of the abilities that you're getting and we can talk about this later when we do spoilers but mm-hmm. some of the abilities you're getting and there are parts of this game where you have to platform incredibly well just to progress the game. I'm pretty sure there are... I was surprised by some of the mandatory segments where I was like, are most people going to be able to do this? Because this right. feels like an optional segment I even, in a lot of ways. I did one the wrong way and sent you the message and you were like, Bally, I think you've done it wrong. You, you, you broke it. Yeah, you literally you've broke broken it. it. You've, you've speed run this one little scenario. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. no, I see what you mean. It kind of made sense to me on your WhatsApp, like how to do that. But um, this game is not scared to replace a boss fight with a platforming challenge. And I think that is awesome. Like so few games can say they do that. And I, I was a little worried that all the toughest platforming would be saved for bonus stuff. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I don't think some of the bonus platforming segments were any more or less challenging than some of the mainline game platforming segments and i respect the game a lot for that no i was i was actually a little 
I was slightly disappointed as we can talk about and spoilers what it is but there's a thing at the end called the impossible climb it's supposed to be the hardest challenge I looked up on uh, Google afterwards because I was like is this the hardest thing in the game and it's all a load of articles being like how to do the hardest thing the impossible climb and I did it like in under 10 minutes and my second try I did it and I was like that was it that, that was all I had to do uh, so I don't know maybe we're, we're quite good at platformers and so maybe that plays into it but I did I did hope for some kind of end game platforming challenge that was like a 15 minute non-stop like galaxy 2 end level type of shit mm. right because I think this game has the tools to do that and there I, I actually find like there are some of the middle of the game platforming sections that, that were harder than that final end game thing that I did yeah, um, yeah. which is really interesting and I, I mean on the point of theme and kind of uh, aesthetic I do think they do an amazing job of leaning into the whole idea of the kind of death traps that prince of persia is associated with historically of the rotating blades and the kind of like swinging back and forth uh kind of like pointy spiked things like swinging on those uh kind of poles and getting the momentum between them and a lot of the kind of late game stuff where you're switching different things i think they they create that feel of a gauntlet like a like a mm. classic kind of tv like gladiators right like it feels yes. like a gladiators gauntlet yes. in a very fun way that i think added a lot to the experience and every time i came across one of those i was like all right very excited to just get through this because it's just super satisfying to pull off those movement tricks and just move around yeah and... it thematically worked really well and there are yeah. like some incredible platforming challenges in the game like hollow knight and there's just a room full of spikes and it's a bit like yeah. i've not really seen many spikes in this game up till this point but now all of a sudden <laughs> because it's a platforming thing uh-huh. the spikes have appeared whereas prince of Persia is a lot more bold about well there's death traps everywhere you're like you're you're trying to fight for your life here this yeah. is kind of how it is I-, I never thought hollow knight had amazing platforming i think it has serviceable platforming and so i never serviceable i <laughs> well you know it's, it's waiting it's, for silk song with all that stylish platforming uh, oh, absolutely yeah. that's that's the thing like i hollow knight is built around combat really like that's the thing that it's so good at and that's its its strength and a lot of people do like the path of pain in hollow knight and i never wanted to attempt that because i don't feel like hollow knight gives you the tools to be great at platforming in the way that these games do right i would say that ori and prince of persia and metroid are all at the top of my sphere because they prioritize platforming Mm, as a goal as a thing and i think they are built for it and they give you everything you need to be adept at it Um, i'm not sure dread prioritizes platforming i i would argue that the shine spark stuff that that game does is very is very focused on it oh the shine spark stuff does yeah but i think that's like a niche thing you don't have to do but it is for me though it's a very important like i'm again this i'm the person who has played metro fusion 25 times and for me the most niche of metroid fans is incredibly important thing thank you very much (laughs) yes exactly but but I, i think that there's a there's a skill expression and a skill ceiling that metroid with the shine spark platforming segments has the ori mm. with its escape sequences has and this game with its just multitude of tools has that a game like hollow knight just simply lacks because it doesn't have the ability to give you that skill expression yeah. and yeah. i say that skill expression comes a lot 
even stronger in the combat of prince of persia well i was stunned by the amount of things you can do and chain together and like there's the whole uh you know there's the hub you can go to where there's the shop and everything and the blacksmith but there's also the kind of trials to kind of teach you how to play the game i didn't do any of those did you go back and do them all i can't believe you didn't do any of those because it really shows you how you can do a lot of cool things in this combat that the game doesn't tell you otherwise like okay did you know that you can the chakram you can parry the chakram and it, it knocks wow. it back at the enemy and you can permanently like a boomerang keep parrying the chakram as like a thing that you keep shooting Jeez. back at enemies did you use that or i never did no not in a fight tricky. but i was like this is crazy um there's I've got so many on my mind in exactly. most of those boss fights without trying to parry the, ch- the chakram right. thing the, very much. there is like a devil may cry feel to it in some ways where it tells you if you do hold up and then attack you'll throw them into the air but also you'll jump up with them do three strikes dash forward three strikes again so i kept doing that thing where i was getting them up in the air striking them three times and then they get sent across but if you dash immediately you can keep them in the air and keep air juggling them like there's so many little things that 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 kind of uh that tutor teaches you that shows off how nuanced this stuff is and like it's down to the fact that when i started playing the demo i was like oh this is fucking good when i i slid into an enemy and they hit the attack button and it does a slide kick and knocks them up in the air and i was like that is the sickest shit i've ever seen in my life there's a whole like the the, the devs of this game clearly love the genre and mm -hmm. have learned so much between the amulets the the trees that give off like a yellow aura to give you hints as to where they are next yes. to the taking the photos to the pure platforming the boss design like even the girl who gives you the map kind of does the music whistle like the guy in hollow knight as well right like <laughs> right yeah exactly like they really are taking inspiration and using everything they've learned from all these other games to just create such a masterpiece of a game like it is so well put together like the the attention to detail on stuff to please metroidvania fans is through the roof and that's not something i definitely got from say the first reveal trailer or everything or whatever like this is something that people being positive on the demo and the great reviews i was like right definitely have to get this game and Mm -hmm. it's it's just hit it out of the park on like so many of these areas yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting when we talk about this as a pastiche of ideas because it's definitely taking stuff from the genre i wouldn't say it's necessarily innovating in and of its own right i would say the thing where it stands out from other games in this space is its combat and i have Mm. seen videos on twitter of people doing that kind of devil may cry shit which is unbelievable and is incredibly cool like sargon Um, has just been taken straight out of the smash brothers universe like yeah really you could even and this kind of stylized photorealism we described earlier it's kind of like what smash brothers is going for as mm-hmm, well like yeah. he feels like he could just straight out of that universe oh uh, yeah i feel like people are gonna be asking for him for smash and uh, the next one comes out right mm. um but yeah the movement of the feel of combat feels very platform fightery in a way doesn't it like it has that kind of uh kind of momentum and, and yeah, you can, flow to it. you can get the enemies up into the air and then it's all mm-hmm. about the aerial attacks like that's literally so, there was one um there was one fight I'll just say um, where there was a lot of aerial stuff hitting me. And I was like, is this what it feels like when MBZ is playing as Lucina and I'm (laughs) Samus? Because (laughs) I'm getting my ass kicked right now. (laughs) It's not fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely has a bit of that vibe to it. But um, (laughs) but I I think that 
despite it not having um kind of like doing anything drastically new with the space i personally i don't think you need to do anything drastically new i think metroidvania is a kind of perfect already like i i like there's been so many there's so much done it's, it's yeah. a harder genre to innovate on than right. the other genres for and sure. like playing this has just reminded me why this is my favorite genre in the world mm. and why nothing ever comes close to it it's just like there is a perfect distillation of i am moving through a space and finding stuff and having these little puzzle moments of like oh and it's what again this is a little bit contradictory we always talk about like we hate obfuscation and like oh you have to burn that bush in zelda one i fucking love invisible walls or walls you don't know are invisible walls in metrovanias they're done well in this game i think that they're you can work them out and there are other clues and things to hint at where they are um, in a way that doesn't feel completely oh my god i was never going to do that in the middle of years kind of feeling yeah but like there's a feeling to finding upgrades and increasing your ability and power and then knowing there's just so much also it's a map fill-in game right that's the thing that gets my brain tickled so there's just every element of video games that i love is just distilled in this perfect fucking thing um and if you just make one that is extremely polished and adds a little bit of different stuff has a new flavor to it it's just it's gonna work for me every time and i think that's why this is such an easy like yeah i devoured this game in like three days of course i did because that's what i do when a good one of these comes out that really just hits home for me um i think it's just very interesting this game in the context of pal world and everything happened around that game because i mean in some ways like pal world is also just taking things from other games yes. and mashing them together into this weird soup it's a board it's like a boardroom design that game it's like yeah. when you take a bit of breath of the wild and uh-huh. Fortnite and pokemon yep. and a survival game and uh-huh. hey would you look at that it sold really well <laughs> oh would you look at it? it's just like it's probably sold another million copies since we started recording this podcast <laughs> yeah. um it, yeah so it's interesting how that is being so chastised and prince of persia is being so elevated i guess they're slightly different in that pal world is taking lots of different genres and throwing them in whereas prince of persia is looking at one genre and just taking influences from every good game i think the biggest criticism of pal world though is the the model of the pokemon debate and it's less oh, yeah. about i think i think because we've, we've seen so many games that take little bits from other games i think that's been more accepted in the kind of gaming community it's the it's the models and the question of did they actually copy pokemon models or not yeah yeah the bigger issue of course yeah that's the thing that takes up the most although this game feels like a a reskinned silk song to be honest (laughs) (laughs) well we've not we've not played silk song yet i tweeted earlier i was like did they just release silk song in like a persian Uh skin like is that what this game's going for but yeah yeah no i'm i'm you know i'm of course we're both going to play silk song day one <laughs> there's no universe where we don't but um but yeah I, I feel like uh we land generally on as we mentioned the more platforming heavy side of the metrovania for sure, and for sure. hollow knight has always been more souls inspired it's always been more about the combat and the brutal boss fights and learning of patterns and very little health and just trying to squeeze your way through uh by just excellent skill in combat um and there's part of that in this game as well but so much of the combat in this game with bosses is you really have to learn what is parryable what is not parryable and what moves you have to use to avoid other moves because you can take a lot of damage very quickly and die without realizing um and yeah if you're not well prepared for it that certainly can be the case and i felt like at the beginning it eases you into it like that big boar you fight at the beginning is like Mm. he's gonna do some easy attacks and he's gonna be a very obvious parryable thing and then you get to some bosses at the end where they're like 
I my timing for this parry is really tight. Like it's very tight to get this giant thing that's about to smack me to to nail it with that kind of reversal. Um, and that's the other thing I, I like about this game is that you get that risk reward with the parry where if you do parry correctly then you get a really cool animation and you get a bunch of health back um and it's on specific moves that enemies do and oftentimes those specific kind of yellow parries are really tricky to nail down because they come from different directions or they're doing something slightly different with the animation you have to be facing Um, the right way as well exactly you have to be facing the right direction which is really important so um so I, i think they they make it a skill thing and something that you have to practice a lot and something that because there is a good variety of enemies in the game there's a lot of learning to be done of like what is this enemy going to do mm. what mm. is its pattern how do i how do i work around it and you get to those moments that you feel really good where you are really like slicing dashing across dodging out of the way getting a parry in there um and when it all comes together you feel like very cool yeah. like, it just it's a game where you can look very cool doing combat essentially it, it's really impressive like um like you said, we lean more towards the uh, platforming side of things. So I think one thing this game is just so great at is people like us who come from the more Celeste Ori side of things will absolutely love this game. But at the same time, the more roguelike Hollow Knight side of pe- um, plat- not platformers, uh, Metroidvania fans will also love this game. Like it's managed to appeal to both audiences in a mm-hmm. way that i wouldn't i would argue a lot of metrovanias maybe can't appeal to quite to the same level to both audiences like yeah, i think that's definitely. a really fine balance this game has nailed yeah for sure like it's not souls combat but like i died a lot in this game and i died so much in this game it is a brutal game really yeah hard definitely game. there's definitely moments where i died and i was like wow that was a long way back to the tree like there's there's some of that going on and again like i said i, I didn't worry that much because you move so quickly that eventually like i had yeah. a rule of basically the first time i go through an area i'll fight every enemy if i go through it again i'm just gonna run past them a lot of the time um because yeah. otherwise it just becomes a little too tedious just going through all of those encounters i think i bought my last upgrade thing that i needed and needed to, money to buy right before the final boss like it the, the, yeah. the timing on the amount i explored and the amount of money mm. i got slash spent worked out perfectly like it felt like an yeah. incredibly balanced game for that yeah for sure um and i i would say i slightly overdid it in terms of I lent in a certain direction with my amulets and with maximizing my sword damage where the final boss really wasn't <laughs> a challenge at all. Like I I think I used maybe two potions uh, and got through all phases of it without any trouble. First time. Um, first time, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I maybe just went a little bit overboard there. But, um, but I do think that all the fights that you do have are very cool from both a spectacle perspective but from a pattern and combat and just like learning perspective i think they all have really interesting kind of nuances to them so yeah um, yeah i I just it is one of those games that immediately after i finished it i jumped straight back in because i'm like i gotta go and collect some stuff and i so i finished the game at 20 hours and 20 minutes or so um and i had 85 percent completion wow. by the end i was end. gonna say wow we had the same time mbz but right. in that time you got 20 percent more than me so yeah i think <laughs> that's just but... again like the density of my exploration is very much like um i, I just moved like a rocket through the world so i'm just like <laughs> trying to 
get places essentially um there are some really incredible vistas in the background that i was very much yeah. appreciating um especially in some of the higher areas with like the mountains and stuff that i would definitely took in the sights and and slowed it down we really haven't had many metroidvanias at this kind of triple a quality level with two and a half d style it's really yeah. dread and this and no other company has really come to the table for it because i feel like this genre has almost been relegated to like oh well that's what indie games do now right yeah, you know? yeah. and big companies they only invest in the biggest things and as unfortunate as that is i think this just shows what you can do when you have a big team with a company with a lot of money put behind it to make something in this space like there are so so much more kind of you can make something this massive and like that has all this art great art design to it in the background and yeah it just it feels like a production level kind of stepped up in a lot of ways and i feel like there's i can't think of another company that would do a big triple a metroidvania like this side scrolling it's just nintendo isn't it or it's like, just nintendo like tropical freeze you know which obviously mm-hmm. isn't metroidvania but like yeah it's it's a real shame because as much as like i think it's leaned a little more too much to the photorealism i still love i still think this game looks incredible like it looks yeah great and like i want to see i do love 2.5d as much as i mm-hmm. love a, a full-on art style with like say an ori or something like i still really really liked what this game was going for from an artistic perspective and i think i was saying before i think the most recent trailer before the game came out they re and to my knowledge of prince of persia they lean way more into like mythological creatures and cool things Mm. in this game than i my understanding of what prince of persia was you know like i and i think that that like this game goes places like visually and in very anime ways and lots Mm -hmm. of other ways that we can talk about in in the spoiler section but like i think they've really put a mark in the sand of like you can do really big and bold things um and you don't have to necessarily always be an ori or a hollow knight and hey triple a's can make um awesome metroidvanias too not just nintendo yeah I think really the one the one thing in Metroidvanias that hasn't been tackled is narrative, right? Like I mm, think there is no Metroidvania point. that has a great narrative that I feel fully invested. In. Like I've said, I don't really, I never need one. I don't think it's ever necessary. But they all I lean think, towards vibes and have good mm-hmm. narratives in their own right. Yes, but um, but, I, but I think like Hades proved that roguelikes can have very engaging, really good stories, right? Yeah, and I I think that there's something to be done here. I think the benefit of the two and a half d that dread and this goes for is that they can pull the camera back and do third person cinematic sequences right like yeah. all the cutscenes can be in full 3d because the game itself allows for it with the character models um which i think is an advantage that like some of those end moments in metro dread and some of the kind of mid-game cutscenes in prince of persia they benefit from that ability same, same with the boss fights as well right like there's some real cinematic flourishes that can happen in boss fights in these games because they can spin the camera around and all of a sudden we're in a you know different perspective to show make this world feel a bit more real right from not having just a side on view to it so yeah um definitely so yeah uh i hope it does well i hope it sells well i hope that they commission a new game i pray it sells sells well (laughs) uh they need to do another one like just man i I think this is such a good fit it's just such a perfect meeting of an ip and a genre 
and they just nailed out the gate like they just absolutely nailed it crushed it like you said people clearly love the genre and understand the genre and understand people's frustrations with the genre and maybe why people bounce off it as well um so yeah hats off to this team i mean we already knew they were great they've made amazing rayman platformers uh, which are some of the best modern platformers yeah. so ubisoft montpellier yes get um, making more games yeah absolutely so but sell uh, well yeah. not not badly <laughs> yeah absolutely um so uh let's uh go into a bit of spoilers i'll give you a little bit of time here so you can click away you can go and do the dishes or go drive your car down the road and wait until the traffic lights there so you can pause it and not have to hear any spo- again any car crashes yeah I again i think with spoilers with this game is mainly like gameplay stuff yeah, and we're like, just talking about bosses and abilities yeah, and yeah. things like that mm-hmm. um Cool. So is there anyth- anything you want to start with, Bally, from a kind of spoiler perspective? Has there ever been a Metroidvania that has taken so long to get the double jump? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh I, my god. I, I think it's interesting as well, because Dread kind of did a little bit of a uh, a non-traditional thing where, because that game had a slide, and again, there's another direct comparison, is these both, get, both games start with a slide, right? A ground slide, which I think is... Almost at this point, I feel mandatory in these games. Like, just it's a great way to get through those little half nooks, uh-huh. you know, and slide into rooms. It's, but, it's, but more importantly, more importantly for me, Bali, it mean, it means you can feel like you're moving quickly immediately. You know, like <laughs> that's the most important thing. Is like I'm just going. Um, Even though so... you probably don't move any faster when you no, slide you don't. Well, the, the, the thing is, in Prince Persia, you can also hold down that button and just sprint as well. Yeah, right? that's what so, I was doing. So yeah, um, yeah, again, like the way that that sprint, if you sprint and then attack you do just a, a massive kick as opposed mm. to the a small kick from the ground um but uh but yeah the double jump right that was uh that was definitely very late game uh, i was i was saying with metroid the the morph ball is kind of delayed a lot because you have the slide right um yeah but this yeah. game's just like oh, we're just gonna no, here's the thing um this i had a real moment of realization with the uh, what's it called where you clone yourself um, and then you zoop back to it? I can't remember what it's called. I don't um, know. It's called a teleport. You're like the teleport ghost, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so there are these enemies in the game that are these giant slug guys with these stone faces, right? These circular stone faces with knives that like they will rush you and come after you. Oh, and yeah, yeah. for so long, I was like, oh, how do I get past? I probably need to get a weapon upgrade to like, like a big hammer or something to smash their face in and then I can kill them. And... I can't remember what it was, but I just, out of nowhere, like, I'd had this ability for, like, a couple of hours, and then, like, a lightning bolt, bolt in my brain, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I can just yeah. plant my ghost, then get him to chase me, and then walk behind him, and I was like, wow, that is so cool. Like, I really think that is such a cool ability in so many ways. Not that I ever used it effectively in combat, but I've seen people deploy it in combat in the most stylish way possible, where they are placing themselves above an enemy, hitting them to the ground, warping back up to hit them as they come in mid. Like, there is some real cool shit you can do with it in combat, but the way in which they make that move flexible with puzzles, it's so fun. It's so yeah. good, and yeah, I, I as soon as I realized that thing with the, the worm guys, I was like, oh, here we go. And it was one of those, like, let's go around the map and do all of these now because I, yeah. I feel like I can. I finally unlocked uh, a secret here. Which or is when we were alluding to the part of the game where it feels like they've replaced a boss fight with a platforming challenge, mm. all those challenges are based around that 
ability to teleport and like obviously yes. i did one of them slightly wrong and i just speed ran it away and went to like repeat and move anyway but um yeah the clones the, of yourself essentially the clones of yourself so those four challenges are might be my favorite part of the game it was like, really good i enjoyed those a lot yeah real proper innovation in 2d platforming and you have to do this as part of the main game and it felt so satisfying and because it was it was all about working out as well as execution it wasn't one or the other yes. and i feel like i really i think i borked at least two of the four to uh-huh, be honest yeah um, because i hadn't even realized until messaging you that like you needed to use the warp not 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 needed to use the warp ability what was the ability i forgot to use it was it was it was that yeah it was the warp ability but you didn't realize that you could place one and then your next life essentially could then use it basically right i didn't i hadn't realized the next life could use it i Mm -hmm. was using every single warp ability within that one life within the Um, one run yeah within the one run um so but i like i like that the game allows you to bork it like i did as well like i think at some level someone said okay well maybe you can break it by doing this and they said well we'll leave that in because i'm Mm -hmm. sure someone will do that and i managed to do it but yeah i I think that we kind of said it was a they brought a lot of ideas from other metroidvanias into this game i'm unaware of this kind of teleporting thing being in other metroidvanias i could yeah, be it definitely wrong. feels very unique it feels sure. super unique and i think the majority of the other abilities are fairly not not commonplace in metroidvanias but i've seen versions of them before yeah 100 percent. like the the fabric thing you get at the end is a grapple hook essentially yeah i mean it's a fucking great grapple hook but like you just whip through areas once you have that like it just really feels like you are moving and that like combining that with double jump and air dash and that yeah it's just there is you have so many tools to just get places and think yeah the teleport recharges your dash and double jump as well oh interesting so if you put one up high and then you teleport you can then jump i also like that similar to celeste you can jump dash jump or jump jump dash or dash jump jump um maybe you can't do the last one dash jump jump because you have to be in the air to dash but it feels incredibly flexible the order and you can you can tackle platforming puzzles in different ways that isn't necessarily always just one way and similar to those enemies where you're you you teleport there's like some incredible platforming puzzles around spikes where you have to teleport and then dash and then double jump and it's like this is awesome stuff like to see this especially this feels like celeste levels of planning out the way you're platforming and Mm -hmm. executing on it that you just don't see with triple a games full stop not even like in the metroidvania space yeah 100% like I I almost felt like the ability to wall jump then uh, basically jump on a wall wall jump dash back to the wall to reset yourself so you're essentially meat boy climbing up an individual side I was like this am i supposed and i was like yeah 100 percent. you're supposed to do that the game is built around (laughs) doing that and i'm like oh this feels this feels broken but like in a good way where you get to platforming sequences that you're on one side of a wall you slide down you dash then double jump to the other side of it type of deal and just recentering yourself on that wall by using the dash to kind of reset Mm. your jumps it's it's really good like it just has a sense of control to it and just a sense of like 
I I can really be flexible with these tools they're giving me. Um, that yeah, it's it it knocks out of the park with that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really does a number on it. Um, I I really did enjoy some of the later areas. Um, I think the uh, pirate sea area is probably the standout, where it's literally a frozen ocean <sighs> that is frozen in time, so cool. and you run across the water and like you just see the shards like as mid explosion of the ship to get on top of it. I thought that was such a inspired choice. I think similar to how uh, the kind of gauntlet uh, platforming things are very Prince of Persia. Obviously, the Sands of Time was about rewinding time, and you have the the ghost, which calls back to that, but also just places that are frozen in time, right? And just playing with time as a concept. The the narrative of this game plays with time as a concept mm. constantly. Um, uh, with Varum and like the kid version of Varum and all that sort of stuff, right? You yeah. are you are finding people who are like years are passing for them where it's only been an hour for you you know yeah. and i i thought from a narrative perspective even though i was like it's a pretty simple story i was actually pretty engaged by the story because it had those kind of time hooks into it yeah um that was yeah. very neat so. my, my favorite part of the story was the reveal of the queen being the traitor at the end yes and that's where the name of the game you're like oh the lost crown right right like, yeah uh, that, and you that face king darius which darius is... that's a great <laughs> boss fight holy shit really good one like really they, really good one because they've just given you the fabric and you're like okay they've given me three grapple points in this arena you basically have to stay airborne for that entire yeah. fight like it's yeah. really good fun and what i realized as well in that fight is that you're supposed to use the fabric to attach to him to get closer because yes. oftentimes you'll be so far away and you'll yeah. be like i can't get back to in time to hit him with my attack before he does the next sequence so it's very much using that i, I get like that so many layers to this where the flying enemy suddenly becomes so much more easy because there's a bit of like early on maybe four six hours into the game i got really fucking annoyed with the flying enemies because oh i'm my- like i'm just yes. slightly missing them i wasn't every time. like you i wasn't powering up my bow much so i yeah. really had to make contact with my swords exactly and it was like god damn it just yeah come these back. fucking yeah. flying enemies was pissing me off and then as soon as you get that and you can just warp to them i was like oh you guys are so fucked you are so <laughs> fucked so it, it was so good uh, and so like that fight really just instilling that idea of mechanical like just go to him like use it to fling yourself in the air then get to him and his parry as well there's one that's like in the air and you have to do it mid mid air that one i, I managed to get the timing down it felt mm. so satisfying to pull that yeah. off that was so good um I think this is one area we disagree on. I think maybe it's partially to do with the timing at which we got abilities, but Mm -hmm. I found all the bosses from Mounted Queen Knight Rider. The forest uh, lady. Forest lady to the snake to the guy you fight on the pirate ship to Menelaus to King Darius and Mm -hmm. the final boss. Mm -hmm. Genuinely, all of them felt like much of a muchness in terms of difficulty. And... I know that you found that Fort Menelaus was much tougher than the others, but for me, they were all just super tough. I think most of them took five to ten attempts, I want to say. Maybe a okay. couple of them took more than ten. I couldn't say which ones took more than ten. Right. Uh, but for me, they were all really damn tough. I think, yeah, Menelaus was real fucking wrist uh, destroyer for me. <laughs> like, he, he was, I think, partially because my strategy was getting up close with people and just spending as much time aerial doing those heavy attacks 
there was just not a lot of opportunities for me to do that with him and he just kept running away um i've heard people i've heard a couple of people now say this where their strategy was to place a ghost at the corner and then when he runs away to his corner just walk behind him and you fuck him up and i was like oh my god that is a really smart yeah i did that accidentally a couple of times but yeah 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 that's a really smart way to get around him but like that was that i actually it was probably my favorite fight in the game at the end i think this is what happens sometimes is the boss you struggle on the most tends to be the one that's most memorable and the one you like the most i love the this the background scenery like the mountains and you're mm, high up yes. like it's incredible that area yeah but like because i struggled through it because i just went through like i had to learn every single one of his moves i had to know when to parry his arrows back at him Mm. i had to know when what to dodge when to do it like it felt like i really learned that fight and by the end by the time i finished i was like that was super satisfying yeah to get yeah. in there get destroyed and then eventually get my way to being like i i beat you i did on my own yours parrying in the later phases you're parrying twice sometimes three times those arrows back to him yes and then the window to do damage to him is then so small you're like god right yeah it's hard definitely Um, is i felt that for the majority of the bosses there was no boss out of those hard bosses i described where i was like I have completely nailed this. I have now worked out a strategy to avoid every single attack and parry every attack necessary. There was always one boss. Every boss had at least one attack. That was like, God, got me again. And because of my health and where I was, that was I was allowed to be hit by that one move as long yeah, exactly. as I executed well on the other moves. But I think it was a really good balance of like, these are quite hard to work out. Like King Darius had one move that did so much damage in the true anime dragon ball style right because they have their special uh un- not unblockable but they have moves that are parryable that if you miss the parry they will just i think the reason metal eyes is also fucking me up is because when i was fighting him early on you if you attack him when he's going into super saiyan he does that just reversal punch on you yes. and it takes like four of your fucking yes. hearts away yes. like it does so much damage. those cinematic moments do so much damage but they have like almost area of effect moves that attack the screen and if you get hit by any point on the screen by that move it then becomes a cut scene where you take a right that's the laser one that he does right are you talking about king darius king darius yes no exactly and i i think i managed to avoid that move like once wow (laughs) wow every other time there's always just like oh my foot got caught by the damn thing and then the cutscene continues and yeah i i thought all that stuff was incredibly impressive and like just it felt like the fights had stakes and like, yes. like i said earlier like there's that Mega Man style of it's just about getting more damage on them faster than mm-hmm. they could get damage on you and just kind yeah. of if you can keep that pace of damage up um you're gonna win most of the time we haven't really talked about athra but talking of those boss abilities like mm. you often get the boss uh, cinematic as your athra move after you beat them so like menelias's big punch move you get after you beat him um or ah, right, yeah. you get Orod's big storm one uh, was there athra stuff that you liked didn't like ones you used did you forget about it often in boss fights how was your use of that as a kind of ability um i used it very defensively and strategically and totally like I classic yeah would uh-huh. so my early game i liked the one that healed you even though you had to stand in the spot yes, which was yeah became futile by the end but i right, like you have to very... keep moving by the end of the game so right it's much by more the... difficult i liked the um the very first one you get the first 
and yep. uses one one shot where... yeah the level one from the beginning i kept that the whole game that me one. too yeah. me too um and then the level i used the level three one which was basically supercharged sargon it basically makes him super saiyan and he oh, right. um, he speeds up and does more damage but on top of that his health bar goes back to full so it's like oh, a, it's almost really? like a full potion yeah oh i didn't um, realize so that i was using that, that in the later game boss fights especially where it's like right you got me down and boom and then like i was saying about the bug earlier in the segment um i couldn't do the side quest that would have got me another potion so I, I did the final boss on with four potions not five so i actually um, almost bugged that moon guy as well but it was in a different way where i did his second thing and then he didn't give me anything on the screen and i tried to walk out the screen but the screen stayed i couldn't like leave the room because the camera didn't pan over and so i mm. opened the menu and i went to the menu and i just looked at it and i found the thing he gave me and then i pressed b and all of a sudden it popped up and was like now you have this item and i was like oh wow i somehow managed to get myself out of the glitch of that God. happening right. um, which was lucky but yeah if you do do all the moon weaver whatever he's called things you get an extra potion so i had five mm. potions by the end and i had maxed out my efficiency on them so i was pretty much maxing myself every time did you go for 100 percent of the map in the end no i didn't quite do it uh i there's definitely some stuff in there that i might want to go back for but i think because a lot of the end game collectibles are just lore pieces and stuff like that i was like I... and there's no nothing saying whether it's been read or found or anything right right it's, it's much i think those things are much harder to find yeah. so like for the for the end of the game it doesn't do a good job of like mapping it out yeah, i think there's a yeah. part a thing that dread does much better which is like the pulse ability you have to scan yes. areas is so good for cleaning up 100 percent um and also everything you get in dread feels more meaningful with missiles power bombs and health like those just they're all actively good things for your character mm. to get mm. um versus in this game the things that i did go after were the sand jars which i had every single one apart from two so i looked those up on like an ign wiki map or whatever you could figure out like because it tells oh, they put together the not tapestry the yes the thing the entire mosaic um thing. yeah the mosaic yes yep so i i looked up where the last two of those were so i finished the mosaic off basically um nice but uh but yeah that, that was the main thing i wanted to do was finish that mosaic to do that side quest but um i didn't feel like going after the rest that it's nice in that every section of a map it tells you how many out of how many you have of a certain thing so it does narrow the window a little bit of like what you're looking for but mm. i wish i wish there was just like a for as much accessibility as this game has i wish there was a thing that was like just show me on my map where everything i'm missing is and i just want the satisfaction of I going know, and getting exactly, it exactly. um that would have been ideal i think but alas they um, don't do that so i know i'm more tertially than you yes i'm really surprised you didn't utilize the amulet that uh improves your counter yeah i did do that for a little bit so there's the the i don't know which one you ended up using are you talking about the time bubble one yeah so the yeah. time bubble and the bubble gets bigger the more you upgrade it and longer oh interesting yeah so i did like that for i used it for a little bit like maybe for 20 minutes or so i i it was crucial to me the entire game including boss fights huh. it's so good for slowing down bosses and just getting more damage on them 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I I don't know what it was, but I felt like when I used it on regular enemies, I was like, I don't actually get that much of a window to hit them, really. I could just hit them regularly. On the lowest upgrade, I agree. It's yeah, so, I, so I, didn't, I didn't really... Because I then bounced and didn't upgrade it, I just never went back to it. But I, I think I just felt... When it comes to stuff like this, I feel like the bare essentials, the bare bones, is always going to be the thing that you can optimize to just make things easier for yourself. And so as soon as I found an amulet that was like increases defense you take less damage from people i was like well i'm just gonna max that out because that's just across the <laughs> i did board that one good. as well though <laughs> sure yeah but so then i was amulet, like amulets were increased defense mm-hmm. increased counter window right increase aerial damage okay and i did i never got the one that increases standard damage like yeah so i had aerial damage standard damage maxed out plus four swords so that's why i was probably shredding through the last boss and i had plus three swords not plus four exactly yeah. so that's why i was probably shredding through the last boss and also was taking like no damage from him so i think that's mm. partially why i found the last boss like just kind of <laughs> a bit of a pushover but um yeah i think that yeah it took me a few times <laughs> yeah and there's, there's some moves there's some moves in his arsenal that i never really had to learn because i'm like i can just tank this and not have to learn it which i think is a little bit of a shame because i think part of the joy of the bosses in this game is learning them properly yeah and, and learning the patterns i will so. say the metroid dread final boss i found tougher than any of these bosses oh way way tougher yes definitely. but by the time i maybe this is partly because it took me so long to beat that boss but mm. by the time i beat the metroid dread final boss i could I'm not saying I executed on this every time, but I could do that entire fight without taking a single bit of damage because I knew the moves so yes, well. Correct, I, yeah. I would argue that there probably wasn't a single boss out of these hard bosses where I'm confident I could have ex- ever have ever executed that in this game. Where I just I feel agree. like some yeah. of the moves were so difficult to either counter or dodge or a combination of the two. Yeah, and I, I think that's why that boss... Like, I think that is one of my favorite boss fights of all time because it requires you to absolutely drill it so hard that you you can do it in your sleep, right? Yes. You drill every moment of that, that fight. Um, and yeah, you're right. None of these... The closest I got was Menelaus, but even that, mm. I, I think, it just doesn't compare in the same way. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely like ways in, around and doing a bunch of damage. Like, um, so the level three Athra that I used was the one you get from Orod, the giant storm, which basically, if you use it on regular enemies, it lifts everyone into the air oh, and cool. then just murders them all, basically. So for some of those tougher challenge rooms where they lock you in and you're like, like the ghost guys who disappear and freeze you those guys were really annoying so i used it on them a couple times but then like you know the last bosses i was like all right let's just go nuclear and it does like a good 30 to 40 percent of their health Um, it does 30 to 40 percent of their health yeah yeah, oh my god it did a lot of fucking that's a level three it's level three okay well yeah um, took time to pop but yeah again you you went you use the one that you get a bit more health back i went fully offensive yeah i like, went totally turtle <laughs> yeah, to the totally. max um, um but, yeah. but i did need that survivability by the end of the game for sure yes um, yeah 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 um Man. so yeah i mean it's just this game fucking rips it's so <laughs> good it's so good um yeah, yeah is there any anything else that stands out to you um spoiler wise that uh you want us to chat about or uh um, I don't think I think we have covered everything I yeah. have in my mind about this game. Right. Um it is sublime. Um honestly, if you, everyone needs to play it. Yeah. Um if if we are at, imagine yourself right now, Bali, it's the uh, 12th of December 2024. Mhm. 
where is this landing is how how uh, how has it been fucked by coming out in january by the end of this year <laughs> for us personally or in the goatee discussions elsewhere? i think just for us personally how how are you going to remind yourself that you like this game this much at the end of the year basically um i find my memory for liking and not liking games is pretty good i don't okay. think i'm that overly critical mm. i don't think i skew against games that came out early in the year necessarily um, okay where I think this will come by the end of the year, I'd be really surprised if it was outside my top three. Wow, damn, that's, um, that's big. But that yeah. depend. We might get a three D Mario this year. Yeah, we. Yeah. What other games am I excited about? We're playing Rebirth soon. That might yeah. be very high as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something like Hellblade Two takes my fancy. Oh, I don't sure, know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what will be my top five for sure. But like, I think there's silk song might come out like i think oh, yeah, that's a really yeah. great comparison we've also got tales of kanzara zao which right. is definitely this like i feel like those other two games tales of kanzara zao is a bit different because that's yeah. first it's game a first time game blocks. small studio yeah yeah i'd be shocked if that does really well um but this game versus silk song i think is i hope silk song can make it out this year so we can have that discussion i think that'd be such a fun discussion not just for us to have but like yeah. for loads of other podcasts and other uh commentators so like i i'd be fascinated what to make of silk song versus this game mm. yeah yeah it, what about you be... do you think it's coming up top three uh, top there's I, a I lot think... of yeah. mbz anime uh-huh. jrpg stuff <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff yeah i i think it's definitely top five for me guaranteed um but yes, I don't know how I'm going to feel about Final Fantasy. Uh, I don't know how, by the end of Infinite Wealth, how I'm going to feel about that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like it's almost guaranteed top five. But I hope, I hope that is the case. I hope it, it sticks there because it's number one right now. There's nothing else challenging it. So, uh, oh, definitely. We'll, we'll see. Uh, great. Well, we are going to take a break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after that to tackle some of your emails. See you in a bit. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second part of today's show. It's that time again. It's time for emails. We 
always need more emails. We always put out the call. If you would like to send an email to this Nintendo Life, please email this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. That's this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. We also have a channel, it's in our Discord server. We have a community of over 150 people over there. We'd highly recommend checking out that community. Um, we have a channel there called Emails. You can also post them in there. Uh, our first email is actually from Sully, who was on Discord, and said, Hello, gentlemen. I just beat a game called Downwell after 15 hours worth of attempts. While the credits were rolling, I started hooting and running laps around the house. What is the most you both have ever popped off from completing a challenge in video games? Thank you so much. Uh, it's popping so, off quite a British phrase. It's all popping uh, off. I, think, I feel like popping off is... Is it British? I feel like I've heard other people use it. Popping off, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, it's it's definitely something that's happened uh, a lot in the past, uh, depending on how old we were and what was happening. <laughs> I mean, but are you, are you going to uh, talk about the Smash Brothers thing? Because that's the one that's always in my brain every single time. So, yeah, the most famous one is uh-huh. unlocking Luigi in Smash Brothers uh-huh. Melee. Which is, um, by the way, not a feat at all. It is not, it is not something th- difficult to okay, do. I it think- is the context of this needs to be at the time we weren't regular video games no of course we had been beaten by challengers approaching before right there's also the fact that when a challenger approach approaches in melee it's it's a it's like a it's like a roguelike like if you fail there you have to start again until the challenger reapproaches. You don't just go straight into a second attempt. So well, it, d- it depends because, like, if you leave your GameCube on for twenty hours overnight, like I did with a Mewtwo, if you lose, you just have to play another match, and then Mewtwo comes back. So it does depend on the specific challenger and what their I conditions agree, are. But even playing one more match before getting an attempt, the stakes feel higher. So my reaction to getting luigi which i'll get to in a second was based on the fact that like i feel like back then stakes were never high when we were playing video games mm. at least for me a lot of yeah. the games i played mario kart burnout sure like, yeah stakes are not high you know like so and then you watching me on top of that are you uh-huh. kidding me like that stakes are even higher just pressure, like, I'm just here more pressure, as my yeah. character i think i was mario i can't remember of course you always played mario always played vanilla mario, boy vanilla, vanilla, <laughs> captain vanilla um and facing luigi unlocking him and then yeah, so I in in that that house at the time you could like run around in a circle between rooms and the rooms yes. would like link up a bit and I just went berserk and just like ran around celebrating that I'd unlocked Luigi, which looking back, you're right, it was a pretty easy thing to Because <laughs> I think it it was it was the it was basically adventure mode. You had to get like the number two in the clock at like the second mark, right? So right. you had to like cross the line when the seconds on the clock were it was either two or was another number right and Mm. that would be the trigger for you to then fight luigi and then unlock him so it did kind of come down to playing adventure mode at least up until that point in order to trigger him so it was a lot to go through in order for that to happen but yeah like just this uh email suddenly saying hooting and running laps around the house the image in my mind just instantly like lightning is just barely beating luigi unlocking him and just screaming and running around the so house we were literally. like 11 when melee came out yeah I'd probably say. 10 so, 11 yeah. yeah hyped up 11 year old and, uh-huh. you yeah. know when when mbz was around the house it was uh-huh. all the sugar drinks came out yeah. we were hyped up on sugar <laughs> like it was just it was a hype time 
uh-huh yeah absolutely um so yeah that's 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 a big pop-off um so a recent one for me that i wouldn't say was a pop-off because i literally physically couldn't pop off because i was in a public space uh was so okay so celeste's a difficult game celeste's definitely a challenging game celeste is more challenging when you do the b-sides those are very hard celeste is astronomically challenging when you do the c-sides and if you've never done a seaside in Celeste, it is essentially a screen that you could, if you did it correctly, finish it in about 30 to 40 seconds, right? If you execute on this screen, you can do this platforming challenge in under a minute. And there is a screen. Are they all single is... screen, the seasides? No, they're not single. I wouldn't say they're single screen. Like, the single screen is in the, you can scroll all the way across, basically, and right. it keeps it's going, basically. Yeah. But it's one segment, essentially. Um the chapter five seaside i so at that time i was doing some work experience stuff looking for another job i was doing work experience and it involved me in the morning on a bus taking a one hour bus from edinburgh all the way out to further out basically and that bus every morning i'd be i was playing celeste at the time and so every morning i would get on that bus and i would go and play celeste and i was playing through the seaside so i was slowly playing through the seasides I spent three days in a row on the bus there and the bus back. That is six hours on a screen that could have taken me 30 seconds if I did it correctly. That, I think, is the most difficult thing I have ever done in a video game. It's six hours on this one execution. It was agony just my fingers were raw i was using the d-pad on the switch which is not a real d-pad like there is so much that goes into just the slight movement and the like there's spikes everywhere and it is just like a little bit of a chip of like doing that uh kind of um jump off the wall like the wall jump but on like one pixel type of thing and i eventually did it and it was i was still on the bus when i did it and i remember like internally screaming but i was in a public space on the bus and so i couldn't really uh emote uh, but i just were you on the way into the work experience or on the way home i can't actually remember if it was morning or evening um i would imagine it would be morning because i felt like my better runs were in the morning when i was more alert and more like okay i'm 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 like fresh for the day basically versus afterwards where i was like a little bit more drained right mm, so mm. i imagine it was like morning of the third day or whatever and like i i do it i remember hitting the button to record it uh, i was actually trying to look on twitter to see if i could find i can't find it at the moment but that that video is out there on my twitter somewhere of me do and i like watching it you're like oh that didn't seem too bad but like doing that fucking thing is like it was a real trial and um yeah i i eventually did get broken by celeste i never finished the dlc because the dlc eventually got to a point where it asks you to do a there's a kind of technique that is unless you're a speedrunner or like you can figure out how to do that speedrunner tech you're not going to get through the rest of it and i i couldn't even do the tutorial for the speedrun tech so i was like well i'm just never going to do this basically Mm. um so i did i did bail eventually on on the the farewell dlc for celeste but i did every single thing in that game that wasn't that that kind of all the seasides every seaside yeah but it was weirdly with the chapter five one which was the one that got me because i did chapter six i did chapter seven i was like those were not as hard as chapter five i went through the fucking fire doing chapter five um so yeah that but again like celeste i think 
one of the all-time great games and the thing that elevates it for me is those b and c sides because as much as i love the main game and think that is exceptionally good and from a narrative perspective as well the challenge and the kind of design that they throw at you in those additional uh things is what elevates it to like special status for me personally Mm, so mm. yeah um it's Um, uh tremendous i've got a couple I must admit that my overwhelming reaction to both these things was more melting into a puddle and just being exhausted and drained and that like glad to be done with it basically glad to be done with it and i think that when the reaction is predominantly popping off and jumping around it's probably not actually that tough because you still right. have the energy to jump around. yeah sure yeah um one of the most draining experiences I had was beating Xenoblade Chronicles 1. It was mm. a brutal, brutal lesson in Ballet. This is not an action game. It's not about doing the thing better. It's about going away, getting stronger, and coming back and doing the thing. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I treated it like an action game. I just have to do this one fight better. Right. And I somehow did did, did the final boss uh-huh. better, but I, it took me like eight to eleven hours That's just to unbelievable. beat the final Holy boss. Shit. Oh my god! Of an already like eighty ninety hour game, and it was a brutal lesson in. It's I'm I'm now permanently scarred to ever try and mainline anything JRPG related right. again. Yes. There, it, there is the second the second you can't do one of two things either lower difficulty or um what was i going to say beat it through just skill right or beat it through skill yeah it's made me reluctant to ever like i must go and do a side thing even if this side thing is pointless because ultimately i need to gain more xp to level up to or i need to go and get this item because it is not worth it ever to just bang your head up against a brick wall on a mm-hmm. JRPG in the same way you would with, say, an action game like we talked about Metroid Dread in the first. Um, y- yeah, I, I wonder if, like, had, say, for example, had Octopath 2 been your first ever JRPG and you had just fought that final boss 25 times, <laughs> not going away and leveling up, like, I wonder how that would have affected your experience because I think that is, like, it's a lesson to learn. Yeah, I mean, it was a brutal lesson at the time, but I think it has made me enjoy JRPGs going forward 10 times more, especially with those final bosses. And Octopath Traveler 2 is a great example where I attempted the final boss, failed, thought I'm going to go away, level up some more, come back. And I I think I said to myself, I'm going to attempt this five to 10 times if i if it's beyond that this is silly i need to go away and do other mm-hmm. stuff and then come back like i'm a lot more rational i'm a lot more prepared to fail i'm a lot more balanced as a human being uh-huh, sure. and i just went in very naive hadn't played many jrpgs into xenoblade one the final boss really kicked my ass and it was just a very bad way to end the game that i otherwise really enjoyed so I yeah think that was yeah a really stupid one i was just a puddle after beating <laughs> that and yeah it was just stupid the other one was essentially me presenting myself as a gamer to caroline um, okay all right so there's a game called vvv vvv that we've uh, talked about a lot on the show and yes. back when we were living in brussels and we'd lived together for um not that long and i was playing a bunch of indie games like a bunch of indie games in 2017 came to switch um including vvv vvv that i had never played um and you're like bally go to play this game we talked about it you've talked about it previously loads on the show and mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm gonna play this game um and then we talked about the level uh 
Veni Vidi Vici. Uh, and it's it's one of the hardest things I've probably done in games. I don't think it's maybe the top, it's, but it's, it's up there. It's a tough... It's a really hard one. It's a one, very yeah. tough little platforming thing to do. Uh, and Caroline watching me do that, I think she was very freaked out by the state of being I reached, where I was tense and sweating i get very like sweaty and tense with like tough boss fights and tough things in games and uh-huh. it's after i beat the thing that i realized god i'm i'm really hot right now like this is <laughs> this isn't healthy and i don't like getting the, the, the funny ones for me is also like when you were playing uh kana uh carol i think carolyn also recorded yes you when you're doing that and then you sent me the videos of you like fighting bosses and it's K- very funny kana bridge of spirits is a really tough game really yeah. tough game uh but very good game but yeah v- veni vidi vici i'd say it was in and around that ballpark of like tough kana bosses yeah. for sure and yeah this was the first time caroline had seen me like get this sweaty intense with a video game i think it freaked her out a bit oh god um but then she's seen me like that most most of the time uh-huh. um since then so yeah but that that like it's like i said when i beat that i was more of a puddle but it was still kind of one of those tough things that i overcame mm-hmm. yeah i i definitely had that on the list as well it's one of those memorable like tough challenges in games um i don't know i i enjoyed the process of doing it just again because i like platforming so i think it was enjoyable my biggest puddle is probably mario wonders final challenge like i actually i wouldn't say it's to some degree it is in some degree it isn't like i was i was more like thankful to the fucking gods like when i got through that invisible thing at the end and finally got to the end i was like if i don't hit the top of this fucking flagpole i'm going to take this cartridge out my switch snap it in half and throw it in the bin like i was so fucking done <laughs> I feel with like that, that thing. prevented mario wonder plummeting off the bottom of your game of the year list oh uh, yeah yeah maybe to some extent um i uh, god jesus christ the like I, I otherwise really enjoyed that final challenge because there's lots of segments of it that I think are really enjoyable and good and challenging. But there are two in particular. One where you're just constantly bouncing and it's just a fucking nightmare with timing with fire beams and you're just bouncing. And then the second is at the very final point, you're invisible and you have to jump over these things not knowing where you are hitting things that are moving mid-air to bounce on to get to the other side it is agonizing and i had such a hard time with it and yeah if i hadn't hit the top of that fucking flagpole i don't know what i would have done i just i was so and this thing is it's... i've i've done this before where i ha- i never finished the last challenge in 3d land i never finished the last thing in galaxy 2 and i never finished the last 3d world thing either a lot mm. of which you did you did 3d land and 3d world i did all of them bar galaxy 2 yeah, but yeah. um but mario wonder i was like i've just i've done everything i can't <laughs> i cannot like physically let this go and so the fact that i did hit the top of the flagpole i was like just the most relieved i think I've just ever to been. clarify when you're hitting the top of the flagpole you're invisible in that moment yep so it is it really feels like a leap of faith it is a hundred percent like oh it is so like did i do it or did i not do it and oh. I, I did i used the spin jump at the end to be like i need as much fucking height as i can possibly get you've, you've overshot it by like eight mario lengths yeah but exactly that's enough to just yeah. make you feel like you've got it yeah 
Yeah, because I I've saw I saw a lot of videos of people not hitting it, and I was like, I could not go through that <laughs> again. Like, oh my god. Um, to be fair, I don't think it would have been quite as bad because once you've done it so many times, your muscle memory is there, and you're like, hmm. blitz through it probably. But yeah, it was it was. I think I I got to that challenge at about ten hours in the game, or maybe twelve hours in the game, and I finished it, and I think I was like eighteen or twenty yeah, or something. Yeah. Like more than a third of my experience with the game was that one level mm. how hard that level is you it's also did the one cool. in mario odyssey which is quite an easy one actually yeah that one is that the odyssey one is the easiest i think yeah. of all of them yeah. yeah definitely a step down overall um and then the last one for me is uh guitar hero 3 the first time that i beat through the fire and the flames on hard um <laughs> which i don't which actually became remember a party trick it did yeah i don't actually remember <laughs> the first time i did it but i do remember the process of going through it. i think you and ali t probably watched me a bunch get to that point you know that point at the end where the solo starts to get crazy and it's like yeah all the melody just loses it yes. loses all its melody and just becomes this ridiculous yeah. machine yeah yeah it's like and then it's if you get to that bit then you know that you've made it through and it's just getting through that gauntlet of fucking hammer-ons and pull-offs of just like i would just die on that section over and over but like i just kept doing it i can't remember how many fucking times i played that song did you go back and play the slow-mo versions to get better at it or did you just i think I, I think i did i think i did do just to see like where am i going wrong here what is it like just a general area of where i should be pressing to get through this section um and eventually i did it and i think like the first time you do it it's like you're at the end and you're like oh my god don't miss these last fucking notes basically right i just remember my heart just beating out of my chest being like uh and then you get it and you finish it's like holy shit and then obviously after that i do it like 25 more times right like once you've done it once that's it mm. you, you've overcome it and then you know how to do it if you had the guitar right now yeah could you do it i think i could get close i think yeah. i would probably a need lot of memory, i guess i probably would need like five to ten attempts to do it but i think i that's could not, do that's it again. not many that's it. yeah that's yeah um so i i think i could do it but man that was a absolute trial uh to do that and it's so funny because like when i first started playing guitar hero i was like terrible at it like i could only do three three buttons at a time you're impressed by my medium knights of sidonia yeah totally and and like i i was like uh, but i was i thought it was so cool i just wanted to learn it and so i think it was literally like one december where i got it for christmas and then i played it all month and then like i went to your house and i was like now look what i can do (laughs) and uh yeah it was it was uh it was a nice ramp up so um yeah that was that was definitely a oh my god i can't believe i fucking did it <laughs> type, yeah. of, type of moment for me for sure um in terms of like popping off as well i think there's been unlimited close matches in super smash brothers both oh sure locally yeah. and online that we've both just lost our minds with uh-huh. like ah, oh, i came so close or when one of us makes an insane comeback those are oh, always yeah. like the ones but yeah yeah it's that's always a great time mm-hmm yeah um i think one which is more exhaustion again feeding into your theme of exhaustion uh is when you finished my mario maker level that we did that youtube video oh, on yeah, i think fun. you you getting to the end was just like oh can i go home now you know you're just like so done with uh playing mario maker that was uh, a very good level of difficulty if i was a complete yeah. puzzle after that then I, I don't think i should have been i think it was i think that was a very healthy yeah level of difficulty, yeah for sure um, not crazy 
but yeah some fun stuff there i, I still uh and going back to sully's email i've yet to finish down well i played a lot of down well i played like at least five six hours but yeah it's a it's a very difficult game uh and uh definitely back in the era when i was just you know i played roguelikes and just didn't finish any of them so uh yes good good achievement for sure one one worthy now, now roguelikes have narratives that can be finished and yeah like that, yeah. yeah exactly so well, thanks very much Sully uh, our next email is from Fernando L who says hi guys just wanted to say I really appreciate the show it's definitely a treat when I see a new episode in my queue I have a question for you guys how do you feel about performance and quality modes on Nintendo platforms I don't have an Xbox or PlayStation but I think uh, I would hate the experience of having to decide the options are clearly compromised in different ways and I imagine I would always feel that I picked the wrong mode when playing it feels very PC-ish to me I love the pure Nintendo experience of not having to ponder about that stuff. I also feel that not having to offer multiple modes must simplify the development process. In the case of uh, the Switch, devs already have to consider docked versus handheld scenarios, and I think it would make things even harder if they were also expected to offer performance quality modes for each of those scenarios. And I believe it's way more valuable to have one well-optimized balanced mode than multiple modes with varying degrees of quality. My fear is that users' expectations of multiple modes could influence Nintendo's Switch successor. Any thoughts? Cheers, Fernando. Yeah, this is not something I've really thought about, but is definitely a possibility for the future, uh, at least from a kind of third-party games perspective, because really, <clears throat> you know, people can decide if they want to put these modes into games. It's not a thing that's mandated by you know xbox or playstation to say ah you have to have an option for players um but just a lot of games now offer it because there is a variance in terms of there's enough headroom i guess for the consoles to have performance modes and run at higher frame rates um i think i feel like it's not a very nintendo thing to do so i don't think nintendo ever would do it in their own games but Mm. but i feel like there's a possibility that other developers look at it and think okay maybe we can do this i think some of it plays into whether this thing has the dlss style stuff um because that that is a factor in terms of so for example playing infinite wealth right now i'm jumping between my pc and my steam deck and on my steam deck i tend to lock it to 30 frames so i'm basically playing in a quality mode where the visuals look much nicer and crisper on steam deck but it's at a lower frame rate and that's because the frame rate is a little bit bouncy on there and i would rather actually have it at a higher quality handheld visually so it's not as muddy on this on the small screen versus being a higher frame rate uh, in that way so uh, it's it's interesting because the switch's power or switch 2's power will it have enough headroom to do stuff like that because the steam deck right now i mean it can run stuff at 60 pretty often and most games it does but when brand new big games come out like you you can't really run elden ring at 60 frames on the steam deck you kind of it's better to cap it at 30 and enjoy it at a more stable frame rate there versus doing anything else so yeah like on my pc i've got 120 frames full visual quality everything for like a dragon and then on steam deck it's more paired back but it still looks really nice but it's just 30 frames instead so uh yeah it's it's interesting because that is kind of a it's a pc docked versus handheld scenario you know um and i just don't know that nintendo will do that to all themselves or at least even have the headroom in performance to make that possible yeah like a game like mario odyssey runs 60 docked and 10 handheld right it's just the resolution that changes yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so like 
I think I would be confident in saying I think obviously the Nintendo games on the next Switch will probably be at much higher frame rates, probably 60 FPS, probably even on like larger, more open world stuff. We'll see. But there might be that differential again where third party stuff is clearly 30 or lower, but Nintendo managed to juice, you know, the extra processing power or whatever this new system has and i think nintendo would probably get by with that and be satisfied mm-hmm. with that as an outcome because for them it's all about keeping the thing cheap and we, there's obviously the story about it's going to have an lcd screen not an oled and like for them it's all about selling a lot of systems sell, selling a lot of nintendo software and i think performance is an afterthought in the grand scheme of things it's obviously important that this system is much more powerful than the switch they mm-hmm. need to hang in there in terms of third party and even indie interests as, as the indie space becomes a lot more the indie space becomes a lot more triple a the indie space becomes a lot more um higher graphical fidelity you might argue uh, right. i think that it's in nintendo's interest that the next switch can really juice those frames and get you can get a lot out of it and i i think it will probably not please everyone but that's what nintendo always do when it comes to power uh, but they'll be able to get plenty out of it themselves yeah like again i don't nintendo want a catered experience in every sense of the word right they they don't want you to change the controls significantly like breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom you can only swap the jump button between one of two options they don't let you fully rebind stuff like there is a nintendo vision to the way that games are presented to where i just i I never think they will ever Mm. say do you want to have frame rate or do you want to have because nintendo they almost want to make people forget that these are even technically driven things they want you to be like this is a magic thing that runs on this magic box right and the more that they talk about frame rates and resolution and options the less that they present you with a full vision product right um and and so yeah i i feel like they might almost discourage people from doing it but i don't think they have that much control about what third-party companies can do um so I don't know. I don't feel like a lot of users are going to expect that, though, because I imagine a lot of people picking up Switch are either people like us who know what's going on or they're people who have previously owned a Switch and so they don't even have the idea of performance or quality in their mind in the first place. Um, so it's not something they really think about. And if you are someone who enjoys Nintendo's games, it just it's just not really an important factor um, because none of their games ever require that power to to really do much else with it i think arguably performance and quality as long as the performance is smooth i don't think it really impacts anything Mm -hmm. that as long as it's consistent yeah Yeah, as long as it's consistent i think predominantly it's a luxury and it's hard to sometimes go back but even when you play 30 frames per second that's smooth it feels fine after five seconds it honestly does and i think that for the vast majority of people they don't know much about resolution they don't know much about frames per second Mm -hmm. and they have fallen into buying an xbox series x a ps5 that just so happens to work well on 60 fps on their 4k tv it's not because they bought a 4k tv because they needed it for the ps5 it's just that's the trend and where tvs are going and 
Bob's your uncle. The PS5 also runs at 4K. It's not. It's not. It's more accident than decided. If that makes sense for the vast majority of people. A stat I would love to know because I believe that Spider-Man defaults to quality out the box, and you have to switch to performance True. to make it. If you want to do that, I would be. I would love to know the stats. How? What percentage of people? even know to do that even go and change it from quality what like because my imagining is like 60 plus percent of people just leave it on quality mode because they don't even know it's an option yeah and they just yeah. play the game at 30 fps and they don't know any better and they just leave it like that the whole time i and, legit think that's but that a could possibility. be a false stat to suggest that people care about quality more than performance when right. if you flipped it and the game started on performance over mm-hmm. quality it'd be the same the it would same be the number, same stat. Right? it would just be because people just don't have exactly. the literacy for it yeah yeah, yeah totally. exactly so so yeah it's and and the developer can choose what they open the game with they can choose what they want to present to the player um so yeah i, I feel like it's just it's a it, it is a weird thing and i think that a lot of people have been annoyed about it entering the console space because it is like um you know the email says is very pc-esque and i i think there is definitely a danger there for people on console because i I know a lot of people like console because there is no fiddling with stuff you just it gives you one option and that's what you do and you just play it and there's never any worrying about it and there is a freedom to that there is something very freeing about it because when i play stuff on switch i'm like oh there's a bit of frame drops there it's fine i can't do anything to change it that's just how the game is right if I'm playing that on PC and I see a frame drop... I must fix it. I instantly open the menu and I'm like, right, what do I reduce? Okay, uh, SSAO. Am I going to reduce texture rendering? Am I going to get motion? Like, there's like 50 options in this menu. And I do find myself when I play PC games, the first hour of me playing a PC game, it's about 30 minutes of me playing the game. Interspe- like, the first hour is interspersing me opening the menu walking a little bit not really being engaged or immersed in the world because i'm just trying to see i'm looking at the, my frame rate counter is it dropping now is it not? okay let's go back and change it get like uh, and like i kind of hate that <laughs> i kind of do even though i want to get the best possible experience that's why i'm in there tweaking settings i, ju- I just kind of hate that i have to do that because mm. it takes away so much of the impact of starting a new game of like like you know it's kind of a blessing that i've just bought jedi survivor on ps5 because i remember playing fallen order on pc and the first part of that game is like i don't remember a lot of it because it was opening the menu every five minutes to to change settings like you just you get in your head about it and because you can have a frame rate counter on pc and you have so many options to tweak you're just trying to optimize it for your rig to make it work the best possible mm. and i think it is a curse that we shouldn't be bringing to console people because i think it's yeah, gonna, just no. gonna make more people more annoyed so yeah yeah um, um it's, it's tricky my prediction for the nintendo next nintendo console switch to would be that nintendo games will not have the option third-party games probably will have the option i think that predominantly swapping between handheld and docked will only be a change in resolution not performance i think that i think Mm. that's what i would predict would you agree uh yeah i i I don't even know if there will be third parties who who do this stuff um 
because I think the real struggle for third parties is can we get it to run in the first place, you know? Right. Um, there's only one mode that we can get it to run on. Right. That's the mode. We're not, yeah. there is, there's not the power to do an extra boost or whatever. Yeah, and unless you are building a game specifically for the platform, you know... Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia, Astral Chain. Those are two of the best examples of third-party Switch games. Um, even uh, Bayonetta, Cereza and the Lost Demon... Uh, is it runs it at 30 tongue, doesn't it <laughs> yeah huh? it, it's it runs at 30 but it is consistent and solid and it looks good it looks really nice um and it's just made visually to fit the platform and that's what they've built it around they've built it around being very nice looking running at a certain frame rate that fits and is going to be consistent i think that's the best approach for anyone making games for whatever the successor ends up being um and you know if you're making a something that is kind of lower tier visually then it's easier for you to say oh we can give them the option or if there's more headroom then it's easier to give the option but again for a nintendo audience do you really want to because ultimately these performance quality modes are for for sickos who want the best visual fidelity and that really is what xbox and playstation are always fighting over despite you know neither of them be able to hit the highs of what pc does in at least in the console space that's what they care about Mm. so i just don't think anyone as ever who have owned a nintendo system at least since the gamecube has been like oh i wish this had better highest cutting edge graphics basically that's why the vague rumors of like a breath of the wild tears of the kingdom package for switch 2 feels weird because yeah the implication is they don't really change much about anything of those games they just operas them better frame rates mm-hmm. put it in a package go that just does not feel like a nintendo thing to no, do no it doesn't it really um, doesn't so may, i mean it's only, only a rumor but um i'd be surprised if a package like that came out in or around switch to launch it just feels mm-hmm. antithetical to what nintendo's about yeah yeah i think so um so yeah, I don't think we'll have to worry about it too much. Um, yeah, and, and all will be revealed very uh-huh. soon. I'm very soon. Yeah. When are we what do you What do you know, Bali? <laughs> what are your secrets? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, again, as the console, we'll just be talking about it this whole. Year. I'm waiting for RFN to bring back the alarm. Uh, except we don't have a code name anymore, so I don't know. All oh, right, yeah, uh, yeah, what it is. But uh, are we even going to get a code name? I don't think, I think we will. We're jump in. Yeah, it's just going to be... When are we going to get that trailer dropped? Of it's going to be like going to a, a park bench and random Tuesday and they're just going to put it on Twitter and they'll be like, it's the console. Like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, so, What yeah. if instead of going to a park bench to chill with some Zelda, they go onto a bus to stress over some Celeste? Like that's mm, the, Yeah, that's exactly. The there we go. Take my real Sorry. life experience, make it marketing. That's yeah. always what I say. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, very good question, yeah. Fernando. Thanks very much for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all the emails we've got this time. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to send an email, like I said, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. And yes, like I also said, there's a channel on our Discord server called emails. You can also post them in there. Absolutely. Um, so that is going to do us for today's episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find us all over the shop or all over the place the internet you might say uh, and you can follow us on twitter i'm at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 and i'm also on blue sky yeah 
Uh, you can find uh, the podcast Twitter at TNL Podcast for updates and things. Uh, and of course, if you would like to get some more of this show, you can support us in another way by going to patreon.com slash this Nintendo Life where you can get bonus episodes and other fun stuff. And you can hear me talking about uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, I'm sure, when we do our February show. Um, but uh, Bally, we'd like to thank some patrons. Yes, thank you to our $10 tier plus patrons. They are Zach S., Thomas, Matthew, Albert, Wicked Gamer UK, Alan, Turtle, and of course, Ali T. Of course, uh, Ali T. Thank you to a brand new patron, Jamie H. Thank you for your support. And thank you to all of our other patrons. Um, we're really on a, a roll on the Patreon front. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate the support. And we want to keep producing more stuff, more stuff things to listen to absolutely um so ali just update to the ali t saga update he did he contacted us and he said because i'm watching you he he said i'm listening he was like oh fuck it i've got a sniper aimed at your back all right (laughs) uh uh, he corrected us so just for correction content correction segment um it's apparently it's his boss and his son not just a colleague who listens to us so shout out to ali t's boss and ali t boss ali t's boss boss. hi there (laughs) hello uh, nice to meet you. Ask Ali uh, T to take the sniper of us. Thank yeah, you. Please, yeah, please. So uh, we'll continue the uh, the Ali T saga as uh, as uh, updates develop. Um, and uh, yes, thank you everybody uh, for listening. Uh, you can find the show in various places. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. You can download us through any podcasting app that you so wish to use. Um, and uh, yeah, you can listen to us every couple of weeks when it comes out on your phone. Uh, I imagine everyone listens to phones. I I li- I used to listen on iTunes on my laptop as well. <laughs> I would do that often, but that's when you could sync, right? Because I would sync between. Oh my god! I went through a phase of that. I'd listen mm-hmm. to podcasts on my phone. I'd be then on my laptop. I'd sync until. Uh huh. And then I'd go on my laptop, and then uh, oh, I'm going out again. Better sync back to my phone. It's like what? Is, what is this world we're living in? yeah um i i also do some sicko mode stuff now which is like i start a kind of funny games daily on my computer on my second monitor and i'm like 38 minutes in and then i'm going to bed so i download it on my phone <laughs> skip to 38 minutes in and continue it on my phone uh which is more manual of a process yeah. but you know yeah. still still works for what my purposes are so uh anyway uh that's gonna do us thanks everyone so much for listening we'll be back next time with some more podcasting and some more nintendo until then Goodbye. interlude used on today's show was The Darkest of Souls from Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Copyright Ubisoft 2024.